0: In this week's show, we have uh, Trevin Hatch. He is um, a graduate from Spurtis Institute of Learning. Um, there we met and we would discuss um, early Christianity and uh, Judaism uh, in a class we took together. And he wrote a fascinating uh, chapter in a book, which is also a paper called um, The Relationship Between the Pharisees and Jesus. We've done a series on Paul and one on the Jesus the Israelite. So we want to talk about his research on the movement that was around the time of Jesus of the Pharisees, which is often maligned in certain circles. And even in the Talmud, it, it gives you some references to them, and as well as in Josephus. We want to know specifically, were they like a political party? Were they uh, the, the most devout Jews of that time? And what was the main issue that uh, these debates would happen between Jesus and them? Now, a lot of the debates were um, rabbinic debates in the sense of uh, interpretation and how to apply the Torah. So it's interesting to see uh, historically how that uh, took place versus just assuming that they were the bad guys. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your research and what made you be interested in the the Jewish group of the Pharisees as, uh, as a group that, that hasn't been fully explored and that people... Make assumptions about.
1: Yeah, thanks. Uh, my my fascination with Pharisees started when I left my undergraduate degree, and I wanted to go be a biblical scholar. But it, throughout my graduate degree, or my sorry, my, throughout my undergraduate degree, I got kind of spooked of the field of biblical studies. So I thought maybe I'll do something more practical, like Jewish studies. Uh, it's not. It's actually not that mo- much more practical, but I thought it was. And so I found myself in a master's degree in Jewish studies at Baltimore Hebrew. And so now I'm not Jewish. And so I'm stepping into the Jewish Studies Academy and I'm being taught how to read ancient texts by Jews. Okay. And so I'm I'm reading through this. I'm taking courses in rabbinic literature and I'm noticing kind of a, a difference in the traditional Christian view of Jesus's relationship with his peers, And then what I'm getting in Josephus and a little bit in rabbinical literature. And so I start to notice these differences. And so I decided to write my master's thesis on the Pharisees. And then when I got to my doctoral program uh, at Spertus, I continued that. And then that's where I published my book. And I dealt with, I've got the chapter you mentioned on the Pharisees. But, and we'll talk about this in a minute. But basically I lay out my argument that the Pharisees and Jesus were friendly. They were cordial. But there's subsequent chapters, probably I dealt with probably maybe three chapters in that book on Pharisees because uh, the subsequent chapters deal with, okay, let's say, Trevin, you're right, and the Pharisees and Jesus are cordial. What do we do about these passages where Jesus is calling them hypocrites? And so then I deal with those in subsequent chapters. So really, the second half of my book deals with Pharisees. So that's kind of the background of how we got into it and, and why I'm interested in it.
0: Tell us uh, the title of your book, and is it written for a Christian audience or for laymen or for the academic circles? Because a lot of books are very thick, and they're kind of hard to follow if they're totally academic. So um, tell us also about your background and your involvement with Birmingham uh, Young uh, University.
1: Um, yeah, so at Brigham Young University, it's a, it's a Christian Latter-day Saint university and most of scholars, most of the scholars, when they go out and get training in biblical studies and then come back to, to BYU in the Intermountain West, most of them, Naval Gaze, they all, they kind of, they talk about Latter-day Saints, for Latter-day Saints, most of their books are by Latter-day Saint presses. This is historically over the last maybe 30, 40 years, but what I wanted to do is take all my training in Jewish studies and write a book for a larger Jewish and Christian audience, and really the I pitched this to the publisher was that we have all kinds of scholars dealing with the Jesus traditions and the historical Jesus. We have Catholic, we have Jewish, we have secular, we even have Muslim scholars like Reza Aslan, but we had no Latter-day Saint scholars who have put their work out there for others to see how we are dealing, we as Latter-day Saints, how we deal with the Jesus traditions, at least not me. So I wrote this volume for lay a lay audience so it's an academic book but i wrote it so that high interest but non-specialists is what i call high interest but non-specialists will be able to see the scholarship see what we do in the academy but they can understand it it's not so tedious in terms of how i wrote it
0: and the title of the book
1: oh the book is called a stranger in jerusalem seeing jesus as a jew and it's on audible i read it and it's put it up on audible so People can listen to it if they're not into reading books.
0: Wonderful. Um, So that is a similar approach to what I'm trying to figure out with Jesus because, um, you know, a question that comes up, especially during Passion Week, is was Jesus uh, in conflict with the people in Jerusalem, with the Judeans, uh, being someone that grew up in Galilee? Did he have a different calendar? And that's why he celebrated the Passover either early or late based on whatever gospel and was the issue related to authority versus uh, a political movement or a certain interpretation based on the scribes and, and the teachers of the law of that time from your studies, what do you see to be the counter distinction between him and the Pharisees? And if it's true that he was a Pharisee in the broader sense, what was distinct in, in uh, noble or or um knew that he was bringing into the table that was causing so much um conflict
1: okay yeah that's a big question so i'll just kind of launch in and then you can kind of steer me and guide me but uh how i would start it so what i do with my students and then anybody else who kind of corners me and says okay tell me about the pharisees there's a in fact i have my notes up here because there's just so many data points um about the pharisees and jesus And and we're going between the Gospels and Josephus. So in a nutshell, um, and then after the nutshell, we can go down the rabbit trails. But in a nutshell, I have the Pharisees as a popular group, popular with the masses. So what I started to do is I went through Josephus, and I took some of the scholars who deal with Pharisees in in Josephus, like Steve Mason. And then I combined it with the Gospels. And it seems to me that the Pharisees, and this is the case from a few some several generations before Jesus, all the way through this first century, in the different sources that they seem to be popular with the masses. And we have instances in Josephus where he says that the Hasmonean kings were some of them who sided with Pharisees and brought them into their circle were favored by the by the populace, and then others who rejected Pharisees were not favored by the populace. And Josephus says in several different places, That whatever the Pharisees say against the high priest or against the king, the populace believe them and the populace side with the Pharisees. So I start there and then I show places where Josephus himself says that he followed the rulings of the Pharisees and that the Sadducees followed the rulings of the Pharisees because the the populace, you know, they were Pharisaic Jews, they followed the Pharisees. And then what I do is I take that and I combine it with the Gospels and I show in numerous places. Where you have, like, for example, in Luke, there's one occasion where Jesus is speaking to a large crowd. And then it says a Pharisee approaches him, like interrupts his sermon, approaches him, asks asks him to be a guest, an honored guest at his home for the banquet, for a mealtime symposia, like a Greco-Roman-style banquet. And I take that along with many others and say, you know, this is interesting because there's no evidence of hostility. The crowds are never upset at the Pharisees. We have numerous occasions in Acts and in Gospels and in Josephus where the populace revolt against the chief priests or Pilate um, or the high priest, you know, whoever, but never the Pharisees. So that's kind of how I lay out that in the, for the first, like the foundation of my chapter and my argument is that the Pharisees are popular with the masses. What this means is that if the Pharisees were following popular teachers around Galilee like Jesus and constantly trying to get them arrested, trying to kill them, um, and they wouldn't be, you know, try, and trying to stone women, uh, they wouldn't be very popular. And I deal with all of those episodes, break them all down and, and discuss them. So I can pause there if you want, but that's the foundation where I, where I start by. And then I've got other categories that I kind of analyze.
0: So if if they were the popular movement and then you have this figure of a Messiah coming in and having a prophetic role, would, because some of the anti-missionaries, they would say, well, we know that Jesus is not the Messiah because he didn't do well with the the leaders of that time. If he would have walked in and shook hands with the, the Sanhedrin and the popular movement of the synagogues around Jerusalem, They also had a good relationship with him. Then we would have more evidence that he was a triumphant king. But instead, the way that is depicted, especially in like the Gospel of John, is just ongoing conflict. And I have a Catholic friend that wrote a paper where it's almost like the murder of Jesus. And it's worse than um, that one popular Fox News guy where it's like, who killed Jesus, like the Pharisees or the, the Jewish leaders, had it against him, and they were all trying to murder him one way or another. Right. Um, how do you um, work around that? Like, it was it specific people within the Pharisees. Wasn't uh, Joseph, Joseph of Aram- Arimathea, um, a Pharisee, and, um, and Nicodemus, um, a Pharisee, as well?
1: Yeah. So uh, Joseph of Arimathea, we don't know. Nick- Nicodemus was. So the way I set it up, uh, so I have different, like in the chapter when I I established okay, here's the Pharisees. Here's the data that shows they were popular. Then I talk about the characteristics of the Pharisees. Here's their religious devotion. Here's what Josephus says about them. Um, They were known to to practice what they preached. They were known to be guardians of the law. You know, people trusted them and they would go to them. And then later on in the paper, I have a category on the relationship between Jesus and the Pharisees. And that's where I, I pull in a lot of data to try to show how Jesus is inter- interacting. And we have, and I just, I'll just pull it up here so I can just rifle through these. We have, for example, you mentioned Nicodemus. Here's a Pharisee who comes to Jesus. And some people might say, yeah, but that's just one person. And he came in the night. So therefore, you know, it might just be that the, the Pharisees and Jesus and the Jesus movement aren't really friendly. But we also have in Luke 17, we have in, in verse 21, where Jesus tells a group of Pharisees that the kingdom of God is within them. Each individual data point has been challenged by Christian scholars, but when I'm taking all of them, um, it's fairly compelling. So in another case, when they're entering Jerusalem, when Jesus is entering Jerusalem in his last week, it says that when his disciples, when his followers were yelling out, oh, here's the Messiah, hail Jesus, you know, here's the Messiah. Who was it that told everybody to be quiet? It was the Pharisees. Christians will say, yeah, see, they're the Pharisees. They, there they go again. They're constantly following Jesus all the way around, all of his ministry, like nipping at his heels almost, be yapping like dogs. And, and I, I just don't think that's a very accurate portrayal. The reason why they're always with him, inviting him to dinner. And it says in the, in the Galilee, it says they're the ones that came to Jesus to warn him of Herod Antipas. In Luke, it says this. This is the very reason why Jesus left to Jerusalem in the first place so as he's going to jerusalem in luke there's the pharisees are with him and he's constantly having these discussions with him on the way to jerusalem and this is where we get the prodigal son and the lost coin um and then when they finally get to jerusalem he comes down the mount of olives his disciples start yelling and screaming and it's the pharisees who tell them to be quiet well why is why are they telling him to be quiet it's the same reason why they warned him of herod Antipas. It's because when during Passover season you're entering Jerusalem and you have your entourage, so to speak, yelling about you being the Messiah, that puts, like, that's pretty much puts you on a collision course with the chief priest. You're not going to last one day if you start doing that. And Pharisees are saying you need to keep it down. Um, Other examples. So you have, oh, okay, 20 years after Jesus' death in Acts 15. You have a, a Jerusalem council where the followers of Jesus, the leadership, come together and they start debating on how they should accept Gentiles. Should Gentiles come and become Jews or do Gentiles have to be, when they come into the Jesus movement, do they not need to become Jews? And if you notice who the voices are at that council, you have Paul standing up, giving his argument. You have James. You also have in, in Acts 15:5 you have the Pharisees. You have it says, Pharisees, followers of Jesus, stand up and give their argument. I don't think if there were three Pharisees who followed Jesus, they would have a seat at that table, so to speak. I think it's a sizable portion. I think, I think that faction represents like the Jews who follow Jesus. Um, other examples, you have Paul. You have Paul going around the Roman Empire and, when, and, and speaking to different groups. But whenever he's in front of a Jewish audience, he starts out with his pedigree. I was trained by Gamaliel. I'm a Pharisee. He, he says proudly that he's a Pharisee. If the Pharisees were so bad and so evil and trying to stone women and get, get, you know, popular teachers, you know, thrown in prison, um, they Paul would not be using that as something to be proud of. And then, we, you know, there's, there's many other instances um, that we can point to, but that's kind of how we break that down and show Jesus is friendly with them. I think Jesus is Pharisaic, even if he wasn't part of some kind of, membership, like a Pharisee proper. Um, he's always with them. He's, he's going to their meals. He's discussing with them. Um, when the when he's arrested and on his trial, three of the gospels, Pharisees disappear from the scene. So uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot there, but I think Jesus is Pharisaic. I think he falls within the uh, Pharisaic umbrella in terms of his halakhic rulings, in terms of his approach. And I think most of, the, most of the passages that say, like, for example, when he heals someone's arm and the Pharisees go out of the synagogue and attempt to destroy him or kill him, I deal with those. I've got explanations for those. And uh, I just don't think it fits a first century, early first century setting. I think it fits a post, like a late first century, post-Temple destruction setting. And there's, all, there's ways that I deal with that.
0: So the woes where Jesus says, woe to you Pharisees, teachers of the law, um, are those uh, projections from the, the Jewish Christian movement after they broke off from the greater Jewish community yeah. and trying to say that they missed the mark and they're, they're going a different path or those could be historical? Um, because this is the one thing that people forget is that when a prophet would enter a town, the reason that a prophet had authority and people listened to them is because he had a relationship with people. If you're just a random guy that walks into a city uh, like Joe, uh, was it Job? No, uh, Jonah. Uh, either you have God to back you up, which is going to convict the hearts of the people, or you have a relationship where people know you and respect you. And even if you tell them to their face, that they're doing wrong and that they're uh, not following God faithfully, that's what's going to stir their hearts to repentance. So for Jesus to be that critical of the Pharisees, is it like in other passages in the Bible where it's, you know, God chastises his children first, and then he comes after the strangers? Is it a familiarity that gives him the right to accuse them and and attack them in that way? Or is it uh, trying to differentiate himself from those Pharisees, which are... um, making a mockery of the name of God and not following him
1: faithfully? It's a a really good question and it gets kind of complicated, but basically what I try to argue and, and I broke this down. I, and I, in the book I say, okay, there's like 39 or so episodes that deal with Pharisees. How many of these are characteristic, how many of these are hostile? How many of these are neutral, like appear to be, and how many of you are, are favorable? So I break them all down. I deal with them all individually. And It's the pattern that I I saw is that where you have Matthew or John, for example, saying, you know, like in Matthew, you have Jesus saying you are, you know, you were hypocrites, vipers, this, this kind of language. And in John, he says they are sons of the devil. A lot, all of that, I think, is a post, I don't think that's in Jesus's mouth. I think that's a late first century setting what I think happened, I explained this and it takes, take an entire chapter to, to lay this out. But what, when they decided, when the, the Jesus followers decided that Gentiles don't have to, to become Jews, like when, when they all kind of sided with a pro Gentile, a Gentile uh, inclusive, um, what do you call it? Like uh, this is, this is going to be our platform. We're, we're going to, we're going to be outward, we're going to pull Gentiles in, they don't have to become Jews. When that happened, I think the Pharisees uh, revolted. I think they just, they and even the word in there in Acts, where it says that they, they made this decision, there was a, a hostile, or the, the Greek word is a revolt, at the Jerusalem Council. Uh, that's where I think the rift happened, and that's where I think Paul and Peter were not, uh, they didn't see eye to eye. We see this in Galatians, we see this in other Uh, other of Paul's letters where he's going around and he's saying there's people in Jerusalem who are followers of Jesus and they are promoting or saying that we should perpetuate circumcision. They're saying that he calls them dogs. He says, if they, if they want to um, preach that Gentiles need to come in and be circumcised, then I hope, I hope they slip at the knife and accidentally castrate themselves. He says this very explicitly. So he's upset that there are, and I'm saying these are Pharisees based on Acts 15.5 and some other places where um, they go up into Antioch where there's a a mealtime and there's Paul there and there's Peter there and Jews and Gentiles are there and it says that they broke into different groups and Paul was upset because Peter and Barnabas decided not to eat with Gentiles and they separated and ate with Jews and Paul calls them hypocrites. So I put all this together and I say this was in the 50s. And I think a rift, schism happened between the, the Pharisees and the Jesus followers. And then the gospels were written after this. All of the gospels and a lot of, uh, this is all post, post-Jerusalem council, that rift that happened. And so now all of that rhetoric